0: I think I lost them. Okay, I have to share this and then disappear. People are after me. And after these files. I don't even remember how they came into my possession. All I know is that these files mean trouble to anyone who has them. They're they're old, like really old. And they're just audio files. I mean, who even uses audio-only stuff anymore? No video, no virtual reality, no tactile enhancements and sensuous surround augmentation? I mean, shit, it's 2069! Audio-only files were old hat back in the 30s! But that's not important. All that matters is that I play these files and transfer them to you. What you do with them after is your own business. I don't want to know what you do with them. Just get them off my back. This this old time audio or, or uh, what's that old expression? Old time radio shit. Yeah, whatever. Just deal with it yourself. Okay, okay. First file. What's the name again? Where where is that note? Ah, shit. Oh, okay. Here. Here it is. It's called Mr. Meek by Riley Austin Scott. It, it says it's produced by Jesse Coronet and performed by Kyle Akers, Sarah Thomas, Graham Rowett, Jessica McAvoy, and Jeff Clement. Okay, okay, here it is. Here it is. Mr. Meek. Oh, I hope this plays properly.
1: intro?
2: Hmm? Oh, hey, Doug. What's up?
1: Can I talk to you for a minute?
2: Well, I'm a little...
1: It's important. Sure, Doug. Of course. Come in.
2: Well, what is it?
1: I... I'm not sure where to start. Uh,
2: what's in the box?
1: You know the new As Is over by the ferry? The cottage on the north side? No. Okay. Anyway, I was there, right? Prepping the place for buyers. And it shouldn't have been there, right? We'd gone over the place a hundred times getting it ready for the market.
2: What shouldn't have been there?
1: Tapes. And a tape recorder. Just sitting there in this box in the master bedroom. Nobody had ever seen it before. At first I thought it was a prank, but... What? It's just, I don't know what it is, but I think we need to call the police.
2: Doug, slow down. I
1: just, I need you to listen to these, Tantra, just so I know I'm not crazy.
2: I really have no idea what you're talking about.
1: You will. Just, please. It won't take very long. Just listen to these with me. (sighs) Okay. And lock the door.
2: You're really starting to freak me out. Just
1: give me a minute. Here, it the uh, the first tape. January 8th,
2: 1991. Are you ready? Sure. Okay.
3: Stansell. I'm in my grandmother's cabin just outside of Harpers Ferry, Virginia. The mountains are beautiful and the air is oh so crisp. The time is 6.15 p.m. It is January 8th. Yeah, January 8th, 1991. Okay, what else? (laughs) Okay. I'm 28 years old, a grad student in European folklore at Penn State University, And I'm trying to write my first book. Hun, you got a moment? What? No, I said I'm I'm working. This is part of it, okay? Whoops. Sorry for interrupting. I'll let you get back to it. Thanks. Did you wanna wait on dinner then? No, I'll be out in a few minutes. Wait, hey, come here. Say hi. Uh hello
4: in TV land.
3: Okay. I'll be right out. I love you. That was my wife, Lane. She's here, too. We're both here for a month. Sublet our apartment, trying to get away from everything for a while. To work and to focus. Focus on... Lane? Are you... Huh? Yeah, soon. Just let me wrap up. Anyway, I'm using this tape recorder to help me brainstorm for this book. Gonna be doing a lot of spitballing, trying to figure out what I even want to write about. Anyway, Lane is hungry and so am I, so we're driving the truck into town for dinner. Uh, and this concludes our broadcast day. Okay, check this out! Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, it's January 10th, 1991, 3.45 p.m. Lane is in town getting groceries, and I was looking around in the meantime, and I found... <clears throat> I found this box with all the comics I used to make with Grandma when I was a kid. The mischievous mayhems of Mr. Meek. Mr. Meek! I forgot all about Mr. Meek! Wow! Oh, you can't see, obviously, but I've drawn him in crayon here. He's like this orange-skinned imp with huge ears and long fingers. He was... Yeah, he he was like this childish version of a classic prankster legend. Kind of like the coyote myth of the Midwest. Or I guess more like the fairies of Ireland. (laughs) Ha, here he is cutting the strings off someone's parachute. Snip, snip. (laughs) Ha ha, the parachuter's eyes are so huge. (laughs) Ha, here he is cutting the brakes off someone's car. How do I even know what that was back then? How did Grandma let me get away with drawing stuff like this? Wait! I remember we used to have a song we would sing. It was Mr. Meek's theme song. God, what was it? Mr. Meek, no, uh... M- m- Mr. Meek, how I reek! Uh, Mr. Meek, how I reek, give me something good to eat. If you don't, you'll be scared. Oh... Oh, God, what was the rest? Oh. Well, that's late. She'll probably want to help with the groceries. Uh, over and out. people's stuff. I didn't know she... Babe, can we stop talking about it?
4: But aren't you curious
3: why she did it? She did it because she was dealing with immense emotional and physical anguish. It's not like it was out of the blue. She lost my grandpa and their dog in an accident that only she survived. I can't even imagine the sadness, the guilt, the... Wait. What? Did you turn this on? No. I don't even know how it works. Weird. It's been recording.
5: For how long?
3: I don't know. Let's play it back.
6: No, I just thought it was normal old people stuff. I didn't know she... Babe, can we stop talking
3: about it? But aren't you curious? Why she did it? She did it because she was dealing with immense emotional and physical anguish. It's not like it was out of the blue. She lost my grandpa and their dog in an accident that only she survived. I can't even imagine the sadness, the guilt, the... Wait. What? Did you turn this on? No. I don't even know how it works. Weird. It's been recording. For how long? I don't know. Let's play
1: it back. Weird.
3: Yeah.
4: Where'd you get that from again?
3: Uh, just Radio Shack. Spooky. Kind of. Huh. Well, we'll see if it happens again. It's January 19th. I haven't been able to record much in the past few days. Part of the ceiling actually caved in when, uh, when Lane was in the study. Uh, but after a few trips to the hardware store, we've got it all fixed, and I'm back working on the book. I don't know if it's been my recent re-exposure to Mr. Meek, or maybe just the gothic nature of this part of the country, but I've been thinking a lot about the hobgoblin myth. In fact, it's a little funny how many hobgoblin traits I unconsciously gave Mr. Meek as a boy. The trickster elements, speaking in rhyme, hell, he even looks like a stereotypical goblin. Is it possible this fun and silly art project with my grandma set me down the path to becoming an expert on folklore? That if it weren't for Mr. Meek, I might be a logger or an electrician or any other profession? Regardless of that, my instincts are telling me to dive deeper into hobgoblins. Maybe that's what I'll end up writing this book about. Maybe not. Either way, I intentionally didn't bring any of my course books with me in some weird, misguided attempt at Gonzo-style writing, so I went to the library in town and checked out all the books I could on English folklore, which, unsurprisingly, was not that many. This is Hobgoblin by Charles C. P. Scott. And this is British Goblins by Wirt Sykes. I've read this one. Anyway, I think that will be more than a good place to start. Time to do some reading. We'll check in soon.
5: How are we doing on milk?
3: Oh, not so good. Eh, we need to go to the store anyway. TP is running real low. Mister Lee, why is there something sweet to eat? If you don't, you'll be
2: scared. Yeah, but I like going out.
3: Grab the umbrellas from the study. Man, it is really coming down.
2: Um,
6: this is a weird
3: thing to talk about. It's January 28th. I haven't been working or recording much because there are some weird things going on in the cabin. We had to move from the guest bedroom into the master bedroom. I was reluctant to because of my grandma's death, but the guest room, which was my room as a child, refuses to get warm. We just dealt with it at first, but this storm and the cold wind meant we were waking up in the middle of the night with numb toes and fingers. So, yes, we moved to Grandma's room. And it was warmer, but it was louder, too. Fuck, I don't even know how to say it. I just hear things throughout the night. Not voices, not music. Just noises, creaks, movement. Things that the age and the state of this house should easily rationalize. And yet, I know inside that it's not the house responding to the cold or the wind. I know it's something else, that there's something in here, moving. And this sounds insane, but I think some animal ate the books I checked out from the library. When I went to grab them the other night, they were torn to shreds, then damp with something thick and sticky. And that's not even the worst thing. Last night, I... I'm in the kitchen right now. The windows here are the biggest in the whole house. I can almost see the cliff faces that lead down into the river. Lane is still sleeping on the couch in the living room. She moved there last night when when we heard the singing. Ah! Fuck, fuck. Lane? Lane, what is it? I'm coming. Okay, I got you, I got you. It's gonna be fine, it's gonna be all right.
0: It's okay.
3: In here, in here. There's a first aid kit under it the... It
0: hurts so bad.
3: It's okay. It's okay. There's, there's, uh, here. Let me put this on.
2: Fuck. Ow. It stings. I gotta wrap
3: up your fingers.
2: God, it stinks. Are they gone? Are they all gone? Shh.
5: Shh. God, it hurts. Fuck, It hurts.
3: There, okay, that'll stop the bleeding. I need you to stay here, okay? I'm gonna drive into town, get you some painkillers. Jesus Christ, what happened, Lane? I have no
4: idea. I don't know, I just I just woke up.
3: I'll be right back.
4: Please hurry, it hurts so much.
3: I will, I love you.
4: I love you too, please.
2: Uh, fuck me fuck Jesus fuck
3: Oh
4: Who's there?
5: you're listening to this it's now January 29th 1991 I don't know what I'm supposed to do the rain and wind won't let up the phones are dead and someone cut the brakes on the truck I crashed into a telephone pole just down the road I'm soaked and I'm freezing and and Lane is dead Lane is dead She's right there, lying on the floor next to me. Her nails were pulled out while she was sleeping, and sometime between me leaving to go to town, crashing the truck and running back here, her... Her hair was... It looks like she's been scalped. I don't know what to do. It's an hour walk to town. I'll die in the storm, but I'm worried if I stay, whatever happened to Lane will happen to me. Oh, Lane. I'm so sorry baby I've just been sitting here it's been maybe an hour since I found Lane maybe 45 minutes since I realized the phones were dead I've got a kitchen knife with me and I'm waiting I'm waiting for him I can't explain it but I know that it's him I don't know how I don't know if my grandma and I somehow brought something dark and evil into existence with our silly childhood game. Or maybe, maybe the monster was here all along. And maybe our singing just brought him down from the mountains. Because you see, I remember now. I remember the rest of the song. (laughs) Oh, God.
6: Oh, please. Please, please, please. No! No!
2: Is that it?
1: No, there was one more tape. I could have sworn...
2: The rest of the song. Doug, what the hell was that?
1: Where... Where is it?
2: That was all a joke, right?
1: A prank? Some kids messing with us. Come on, where's that fucking tape? Doug, you need to breathe. You don't understand. That last tape, it... It was...
2: What? What was it?
1: I don't remember, but... I know. I know there was one more.
2: Doug, calm down. Everything's okay, all right? This is just some prank or... or something.
1: No, it was too real. It was all too real. We just... we need to find that last tape and... What? I didn't...
2: What is...
5: I reek,
6: give me something sweet to eat, if you don't, you'll be scared, I'll tear out your nails and hair
0: Is that one over? It's over. Good, good. Okay, that's one down. Now, okay, this next one has always given me trouble. Uh, It's a story called um, I Am a God by C.K. Walker. Uh, It says it's produced by Jeff Clement and performed by Jeff Clement, Nicole Doolin, Atticus Jackson, Aaron Lillis, and Nicole Goodnight. Okay, let's get this one started. Oh, come on, you son of a bitch. Come on, play for me. I go... uh...
7: My name... Well, my name isn't important. I'm a writer. An author. I've been published a couple of times, but I haven't sold much. I haven't made a lot of money. It's a struggle. So why do I do it? Because I'm addicted to it. When I write, I am a god. I create a universe... I decide who goes into it and what happens to them, who lives and who dies. My characters, well, sometimes they arc and sometimes they don't, just like people in real life. And sometimes they do things I don't expect, and I have to write them that way, true and consistent with themselves. So, in a way... They have free will.
2: Christian? Who are you talking to? No
7: one, dear. Just working out some dialogue for Triad.
2: All right. Listen, I'm running over to Alice's to help with fitting.
7: She decided on a dress?
2: A month ago now. I told you that.
7: Oh, that's right.
2: Speaking of the wedding... Mark's parents want to know if we can kick in any more money. Have you heard anything about an advance for Triad?
7: I'll follow up with Andrew.
2: Okay. Oh,
7: Mary, will you shut the door on your way out? I am addicted to being a god, and so I must write. Then looked over at Chloe... Regret in his eyes, she gave him a sad smile. No, no. A melancholy smile. I don't want to go, he said, reaching a hand toward her face. But you must, she answered, before it is too late. But little did they know... It was already too late. Death was just outside, rushing toward them at a breakneck speed. The squeal of tires and the gunning of an engine were the only sounds to warn them that they had been found. Ben's eyes widened when he noticed the truck out the window. It clipped the curb, jumped up into their yard, and smashed through the wall of their house. Before Chloe could even notice it was happening, Ben had thrown her to the floor and covered her protectively. The smash crash of the car was deafening. Chloe screamed then, hysterical, already sensing what we were about to discover. She pushed Ben away before the car even came to a stop. Get off me! Get off me! Ben stood and looked around wildly. Where was the car? Where had it come to rest? The wail of his wife told Ben everything he needed to know. The car had missed the kitchen, the living room. It had hit the room at the far end of the hall, Jamie's room. And Ben knew, without following his wife into the chaos of the crash, that his son was dead. He could feel it. No! Chloe screamed as she ran to the small bed in the corner. Ben stumbled back into the wall. Only one word consumed his mind. One word, barely recognizable, on an exhale of broken breath. No, don't do this. Take it back. (sighs) Of broken breath breath. Who are you? That's not right.
6: Take it back. Don't kill my son.
7: Please. This is not at all what he would say. He would say, Vesser, the name of his enemy. (sighs) Of
6: broken breath. Who are you? Please bring back my son.
7: Are you talking to me? Yes. Please don't kill my son. But I must. It's important to the story. To give you motivation to go after
6: Vesser. I don't want to go after Vesser. I don't want to go after anyone. I want my son to live.
7: But you must kill him. That is your arc.
6: Why do I have to murder him?
7: Please, you cannot kill my son. I have to. I have to, because that is an interesting story. That is entertaining.
6: My life? My pain? That is entertaining to you? You kill my child to entertain yourself? Not just myself.
7: Bring him back!
2: Bring him back!
7: I I can't. That's not the way the story goes.
4: Bring him back! Save our son, or we will take someone from you!
7: You cannot affect my will. We are already affecting it.
6: You are talking to us.
7: Ben was right. I was going crazy talking to my characters. Later that night, my wife asked how the writing was going.
2: I think Chloe should have gotten hurt in the crash. Maybe break her leg or something. Why break her leg? What does that buy me? You could get her addicted to pain pills and accidentally overdose. That would send Ben into a tailspin, right?
7: She had a point. That would send Ben into a tailspin. Double the motivation to kill Vesser. So that night, I went back to my laptop. I rewrote the scene, breaking Chloe's leg. But she noticed.
4: Why are you doing this to me? Not only have you taken my son from this world, you now have also hurt me.
6: What is your grand design, God? Why have you hurt my wife? What more will you do to us?
7: That is not for you to know
6: yet. We are meant to trust in you? You, who can play with the fabric of time. You, who can change our lives. Our families hurt us, bring us death. We're supposed to just have faith that it is all for
4: a reason? No, we will not give ourselves over to a god who hurts us for his amusement. We will bring you pain if we can.
6: We will wage a war on our god, now that we know you. You cannot affect my
7: world. That night, as I slept in bed next to my wife, I thought about what Chloe had said. Could she bring me pain? I wasn't afraid. I was curious. So curious that when I woke up in the middle of the night, I wandered down the hall toward my office to ask her. But as I passed my daughter's old room, I saw the door was open. It was always closed ever since she moved out years ago. Then I thought, perhaps, that my wife had opened it. But she never had before. I was curious. I sat down on my laptop, opened it, and placed my fingers on the keyboard. We saw your world. You couldn't have.
4: We saw it.
7: I knew they couldn't come here they were characters in a story, simply a collection of letters on a laptop. It it was impossible. I knew it was a lie. But then there was the door. I knew I had not left it open. And when I asked my wife the next day, she said that she hadn't either. Then I wondered if maybe I had. Maybe I was (laughs) losing my mind. I didn't write. Not for another week. I couldn't bring myself to open the laptop, to see them again, to let them out.
2: Christian, when are you going to finish Triad? It's been months, baby. If we're not getting in advance, then we have to get it on the shelves as soon as possible. You know we need the money for Alice's wedding.
7: I, I know, dear. I'm working on it. That night I finally went back into my office. Opened my laptop. Stared at the cursor. This time I did not need to type the words. They typed them for me.
6: You cannot hide from us. Ah, leave me be. Go back to the page.
4: We warned you.
6: We I beg you not to kill our son. It is not too late. He must die. There's no way around it. You are a cruel god. He is no god at all.
2: Hey, baby. Will you help me carry the Halloween decorations up from the basement?
7: In, in a moment, I, I, I need to just... Just lie down for a minute.
2: Never mind, I'll do it myself. You left the basement door open. Christian, that's dangerous. Mango could get down there.
7: But I hadn't left the basement door open. Just as I knew I hadn't opened the door to Alice's old room. But I was afraid. And no, it shames me, I must admit, I went to my room and I took a nap. When I awoke, the Halloween decorations were sitting in boxes in the foyer. The door to the basement was closed, and my wife was gone. Her car was in the garage, but she was gone. And she didn't return that night, or the next. I was terrified terrified that whatever had happened to her was my fault. So I opened up my laptop to find out.
4: We saw your wife.
7: Where is she? Where's Mary?
6: You know where she is. You took her somewhere.
4: She is still in this house.
6: Where? You know that too. Open the basement door.
7: (sighs) But I wouldn't open the basement door. My daughter called the next day because she hadn't heard from her mother. I told her that Mary was dealing with our sick dog. But that wasn't true. I woke up at night to noises, the clink of glassware, the bump of doors closing, and sometimes the sound of whispered voices. Is under our My wife didn't come back. I came to believe she was in the basement. I knew it was true, but I left the door closed, and the days passed. And I grew to know there were others in the house with me. They were but moments, but there were many. Often I had that feeling you get when you enter a place that someone else has just left. That electricity. I didn't open my laptop. Hello?
4: Dad? What is going on?
7: Uh, What do you mean?
4: I can't get a hold of Mom. And Mark said when he drove by your house the other night, your car was gone and he saw some blonde lady through the window. Where is mom and who is that woman?
7: There was no woman, Alice.
4: Mark saw her dad. She's not mom and she was in your house.
7: Maybe it was a friend of your mother's. Let me ask her. I'll call you back.
4: Tomorrow's Halloween and mom promised to come over and help hand out candy.
7: I said I'd ask her, Alice. I'll call you back. Love you. Wait, Dad. (sighs) Well, where the hell are you? I said, Where the fuck are you? They were gone. No longer contained in the laptop, on the page. They were in my world. They had been for a while. I won't leave my home! You have no agency here! Do you hear me?! You will not go back to your world. I will erase you from your existence. You will bring my wife back. The smash crash of the car was deafening, but there was no one to hear it. Ben and Chloe were killed instantly. hit by the same... Scratched up pickup trucks that had been stalking them for weeks. They died in each other's arms.
6: No. No.
7: I have rewritten this scene and you are dead. Your son is alive. Please! We are not dead. Yes, you are! I fucking killed you! We cannot die.
6: Get out of my house! Get out of my fucking house!
7: I destroyed my computer. The conduit for this unholy manifestation. But it didn't matter. They were already here. And they could never be put back. I could hear one of them on the other side of the door. I got up and walked over to stand in front of it. I could hear someone breathing on the other side. Please. Where is my wife? What are you? Please, tell me. What?
6: No! Stop! The
7: desk had flipped over. The bookshelves, too. I couldn't see Ben, but he was there, breaking things. Affecting my world just as he said he could i ran toward the garage door i knew i needed to get out of the house they had won but then no i tried to make it to the front door first I ran down the hall, hoping to stop whatever was going to happen. They already had my wife. I couldn't let them have my daughter.
6: Alice!
7: (sighs) I woke up on the basement floor. i had fallen down the stairs. That I remembered something had come at me when I passed the basement door and in my haste to get to Alice I hadn't noticed that the door was open it had hit me him or her I wasn't sure which one pushed me through and down the stairs but I woke up I was still alive I was lying at the bottom the concrete hard under my back. A rib was broken. I could already tell. A single light bulb lit the stairs. It was a tired old bulb and didn't reach the dark corners of the room, but it did reach far enough into the darkness for me to find her. Mary?
5: Oh... Mary, no, no. What have they done to you?
1: I pulled
7: myself across the floor to where Mary was sitting against a wall. She looked perfect. There wasn't much of an injury that I could see, though her eyes were glazed over. She seemed to be looking out into nothingness.
4: We left you a beautiful corpse.
7: She was there in the room with me, her voice coming from the corner to my left. There was nothing but darkness there. If she was corporeal, I couldn't see her. She...
5: She's dead?
7: There was no answer. I pulled my wife's head away from the wall she was sitting against, and she fell over into my arms. It was then that I noticed the matted hair. The crush of her
6: skull. (sighs) killed her (laughs) yes she fell down the stairs and then she crawled to the wall and died alone
7: the voice came from the other corner of the room just as dark and occupied as the one on the left they were down here with me but their voices sounded different as if they were deteriorating Not meant for this world.
4: Not alone. We were here.
5: My daughter. Where is my daughter? He saw your
6: daughter. Where is Alice? You know where she is. No.
4: No. Bring her back. Bring her back. She is still in this house. Where? Where?
6: In the corner. Which,
5: which corner? Upstairs?
6: This corner. With me. Alice. Alice. Answer me! She can't hear you. What have you done? You know what we've done. You can
4: have her back, but she is not quite as pretty as your wife.
5: She's dead, isn't she?
6: My God. You killed her. You killed her (laughs) as you killed our son. Your son wasn't real. He's fiction, he's just words. He's not real. Are we not real?
5: What are you gonna do to me?
0: Nothing.
6: You uh, let me go. You are not going anywhere. You are dying of your wounds. You are no god. I only I only have a broken rib. Maybe, sir. That won't kill me. Feel your face. Your face. Uh, 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 Oh my god. Oh my god. You are in shock. You will feel the pain in a moment. Uh, uh, Help. Me. we did you will die soon we made sure but why it amuses us but you will not die alone we will stay down here until you are dead we will watch you die and then We'll leave. We will find more gods to kill in this world. We like this world. But until then, we stay. And we watch. But you're not real. We are. You tried to kill us, but you couldn't. Yet. You will die today. Please... Just tell me what you are. We are... (laughs) God!
0: There, that that's two files down. Okay, one to go, one to go. Come on, you mother... Oh, this one better count. Okay, okay, it's its a story called Sour Toe Shuffle by Ellie Maitland. It's produced by Jesse Cornett and... Oh, what is this? I can't read this. Uh, per- performed by Mary Murphy, Mike Delgado, Aaron Lillis, Nicole Goodnight, and Jesse Cornett. Okay, Sour Toe, get hopping and just play to the end.
6: Come on.
4: That'll serve to warm you up on a night like this.
1: Thanks, Marge.
4: Thanks, Miss Feature. Of course. It's still coming down out there. The only one way to check.
3: Mm -hmm. Shit! Oh!
2: say that's a yes.
6: You didn't volunteer.
2: I thought you were just going to pull the curtain.
6: Curtain? <laughs> that. That was a three whiskeys ago
4: idea. You can camp out here for the night, of course. We got the rooms. Kid, you need to call anybody? I'm good. Thanks, Miss Feature. Marge, please.
1: Okay, Marge. And thanks for putting us up. And for the drinks.
4: You don't know, working around the clock to get me ready for tourist season. Least I can do when the snow comes on. And thanks for bringing me along today, Aunt Jeannie. Of course, hun. Good to have you. You on break for the semester, kid? The break kind of wasn't my idea. I'm not sure college is right for me.
6: Well, you've got time to figure that out. And a work ethic like yours will go a long way while you do.
4: Mom and Dad don't see it that way. They're just scared for you. They want you to have it easy.
7: And that means doing what they did so they can talk you through it.
2: I'll try to remember that.
6: (coughs) Hey Margie, uh, you got any beer? I should probably switch.
4: (laughs) We're switching all right. (laughs) <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh Margie not tonight hun. you can't expect me to take the night off with a fresh fish genie besides he's been shut up all winter
1: what do you mean who's been shut up
4: <laughs> well
1: what is that
4: that kid is the largest pride and joy is that a Toe?
2: It's a toe,
4: all right.
1: Your lodge has a toe? Damn
4: right it does. I thought that place was in the Yukon. They stole it from us since 1973. Hell, this lodge has been here since 1908.
6: Old Marge is real particular about that.
1: What about Prohibition? What about
6: Prohibition? Old Marge is real particular about that, too.
2: See,
4: one of my granddaddy's regulars was Charlie LeMay, big, rangy summer bitch. Charlie was a trapper, caught game to sell pelts or meat. He'd thump whatever trap he had, empty or full, right up on the bar like a proud asshole tomcat with half a mouse. Good customer, but a bad drunk, with a temper. One night he stumbled out of here after way too much, passed out in the snowdrift. And it was lucky, he only lost his big toe to frostbite. He didn't lose it. That's right, because he stuck the damn thing in a jar and brought it here. Slammed it up on the bar and started yelling at Grandpa about how it was his fault Charlie got frostbitten in the first place. Nowadays, dram shop laws might have agreed with him, but Grandpa was having none of it. Charlie stormed off, leaving the toe, and it's had a place of honor ever since. You know the expression, toe the line? That came from Grandpa and his buddies. Okay, that's definitely not true. Shush. Now, once I took over the place and heard about them Yukon jerks, I thought, you can play at that game. No. And I used it to create our lodge's signature cocktail. We'll need... One shot of Clomato. Three dashes of hot sauce. One drop of Worcestershire two frozen pearl onions, and one clove of garlic, crushed. Fill almost to the brim with white whiskey. Then we stir it quick with our little friend here, roll them in celery salt, and then drop them in for a swim. I give you the Beecher Lodge Toe Curler. You serve this to people?
6: A lot
4: of people. Too many people. Large tradition is you shoot at your first night here. Let the toe touch your lips, and you sort of spit it out like, Puh, puh, puh. And once you've done that, you've stood up to Charlie LeMay and earned a place under my granddaddy's roof.
2: How many people have mouthed that toe?
4: Oh, there's more to it, kid. Old Charlie fancied herself a blues singer. And anyone kisses the toe, hears them singing that night in their dreams. I don't know. Come on, kid. You want to stick it to Charlie, don't you? I mean... I just stopped being vegetarian, like, a month ago. Margie, she doesn't want to. I'll take it. I'll oh, let Margie have her fun. It ain't gonna hurt you. We've all done it and lived. I... But if you can't help me keep a little tradition going... Oh, bosh. Keep my granddaddy alive in the best way I know how. Okay, I'll do it. I knew he was his sport. <laughs> hey, all right. And a shooter of white whiskey for the rest of us so you and Charlie ain't drinking alone. Now, glasses up. Ugh, oh, oh, it smells like a Band-Aid. To my granddaddy, Ernest Beecher, a man who never knew defeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. P- P- what do you think, kid? It's powerful.
6: Gonna put some spring in your step.
4: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> good one. You know, I'd say it's got a
2: Quite a kick. There
6: you
4: go!
2: (laughs) Great. Now let's put the toe away. Hey, maybe let me have another one of them.
4: Look out! Tracy's going for a double. Oh, kid's going to hear some good singing tonight. drinking to, kid? Um, to Charlie LeMay.
1: God rest his soul.
4: <laughs> 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 what?
6: What did you do? Holy. Did you down the whole goddamn
2: thing? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I oh got oh god, I swallowed a toe, I, I swallowed a
4: human toe, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my god, I, I'm gonna be sick. Uh, good, cough it up!
3: Uh, stick your fingers down your throat!
4: Oh. It won't work, oh sweet Jesus, it won't work. It won't work. Now, now, calm down, poor thing. Poor thing, what about me? Where am I gonna find another toe? Well, what did you expect? of forcing that
3: damn thing on an exhausted, drunk kid. You bring it out every night. This was bound
4: to happen.
6: Hey, Margie, we should get her to a hospital. I mean, she might eat a a tetanus
4: or something. Oh, hell, just have the kid sleep it off. It's fine. The damn thing's been soaked in alcohol for 99 years.
2: I swallowed a towel.
4: Get to the staff bedroom on the third floor landing. The bathroom's all tile, in case it makes an appearance in the night. And if it does, don't you flush. Now, now, there, there... (laughs) Oh, poor, poor thing. shh. Oh, shh. oh poor thing. Ugh. Oh, come on, Helen. I'll take it. Ugh, not name. What am I gonna do? Ugh, oh, why would you swallow it? Son of a bleeding idiot, that toe's been in my family for generations. And <laughs> what are you smirking about?
6: You could say the kid really put your foot in her mouth.
4: Get on upstairs. <laughs> to children. waste of. Ooh. Tracy Johns, you'll hear some good singing tonight.
6: Oh,
1: my head.
4: Oh, my stomach
1: mummy parts in a freaking cocktail! Who's up? Aunt Jean? Uncle Brad? You out there? You all right? It, it sounds like you're limping.
2: Charlie the May it's true.
6: from six feet down cause half my foot got left above ground my brain's gone and my skin's turned blue but I'm still kicking and I'm coming for you tell me who's got my toe who's got my toe who's got my toe who's got my toe who's got my toe
2: It sounds like he's on the first land. I
1: gotta wake myself up before he gets here.
4: Sure. i I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep.
6: storm last night. Like it was crashing through the roof. Yeah, we'll give her a good once-over. See what needs re-shingling.
4: Any sign of the kid yet? Must still be sleeping it
2: off.
6: Now go rouse her.
2: Here, bring her a cup. You were pretty hard on her last night, Margie.
4: Yeah. Old Charlie ain't the last mean drunk this lodge has seen. I'll give you that. I'll give her a sorry. Ugh. You got any sugar? Up on the bar. Let me... No, I'll get it.
2: Huh. Now wait a minute.
4: What is it?
2: Your toe. It's back.
4: Get on with ya. It is, Marge. Give me that. That's a toe, all right, but it's not mine. This one uh, this one looks new.
5: Oh, Tracy. No. <laughs>
0: there. That's it. Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. All three old time radio files or whatever they're called are done and over with. Oh, I'm free. <laughs> oh, I'm free. Oh, oh shit. Wait, I, I forgot to read the end of the note. Let's see. What, what does it say? does it say? What's all this garbage? Oh, okay, okay, whatever the shit means. It says, You've been listening to Old Time Radio Volume 9 from the No Sleep Podcast. The musical score was composed by Brandon Boone. Host and executive producer is David Cummings. What the hell kind of name is that? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and thanks for being a supportive Season Pass 13 member. Yeah, yeah, whatever th- that means. Uh, and finally, this audio production is copyright 2020 by Creative Reason Media Inc., all rights reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Creative Reason Media Inc. God damn it, what a long winded piece. Anyways, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't. I'm done. I'm free. <laughs>